Hey everyone, I'm Cody, and you are listening to a public church podcast. I hope you enjoy the talk today, and thanks for listening. And again, thank you guys so much for being here today. Just a survey, you can put this in the chat or in the room. I'm on two cups of coffee, and I'm going to continue that as the day goes on. Over, under, who's over two cups already? Raise your hand in the chat. Okay, who's under two cups? Who doesn't like coffee? Jesus, we pray that you would change people today. Anyway, we'll be praying for you guys. But look, we are in week six of our series, Rhythms to Sustain. If you've been here, been watching, at this point, it can become easy to get jaded. Ah, when's this gonna end? Or if you're new, you can feel kind of left out. Like I'm walking in three quarters of the way through a movie. So to help you guys either not feel left out or not get jaded, Cody and some of public worship are gonna kind of cast some fresh vision for the series. Give it up for these guys. Thank you. Awesome. So um, who's enjoyed our series so far? Let me hear you. It's been awesome. Yeah, I think that coming coming out of our, our fast, um, that these these rhythms of how we can strengthen our walk with Christ, these disciplines that we can put into practice, we've had some great content, some practical ways to walk away, um, and I've just really enjoyed it. You know, one thing that really I've loved about it, though, for, for me, is just the, the series title, Rhythms to Sustain. You know, there's a lot of musical parallels um, to that title and our principles that we've been putting in place. So we've been, we've been talking and planning and Todd's been telling us kind of the direction that we've been going in. All these things just started rattling around in my brain. I'm like, oh, that ties to music and that ties to music and stuff like that. And by the way, did you guys know that Todd Stevenson here used to actually play trumpet himself, right? You didn't know that, I bet. A lot of people don't know that about him. But when I met him when I was 14 years old and a freshman in high school, um, he was in concert. He played football in the fall and concert band in the spring. Come the band on. people. That's awesome. Our band crew. Yeah. Yeah, most people know him as Coach Todd. They didn't know him as, as band Todd, you know. <laughs> I can't imagine why. But he was, he, Todd was very, like I've said this before in a talk, he was very good at everything and it was kind of disgusting. He was even good at trumpet. So maybe that's how we can end the series. <laughs> Is with a trumpet solo. Oh, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. That's right. Oh, man. I'm going to pray about that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, when you think about just the term rhythm, that's a, that's a musical term. You can't, you can't have music without the component of rhythm, you know. And so you think about um, just the endless possibilities for rhythms that were within a piece and can be within a piece. And then you think about even the term sustain. So Spencer's playing a note here. Let's see. That's a sustain, like the holding out of the note, um, just kind of letting it sit, sustaining the note. You know, another component to, um, to music and something that we don't think about a lot when it comes to music is that there's an actual note called arrest. You see, you think about um, the rest is basically when things are quiet, there's not a whole lot going on, but if it was just noisy and chaotic and, and something happening all the time, it wouldn't be nearly as beautiful. So you see, the, the rest really gives it the beauty that uh, you're looking for in any piece of music. Rest is absolutely essential. And so really what I want us to think about today is um, I'm going to let you guys hear and get a little glimpse of kind of what's going on in, in these things in our ears called in-air monitors, okay? And we all, we all wear these, and there's actual purpose behind them. They're not to look cool or anything like that. Um, but so we get, to, we get to hear each other. Yes, it helps us hear each other. It kind of isolates some stuff so we can hear better. Um, but we want to be able to hear you guys. Um, so there are mics in the ceiling. Don't try to find them and unplug them. We want to hear your beautiful voices because um, it helps us just engage in that time. 
Um, we, the guys in the back can talk to us. There were some technical issues that they were communicating with us before the nine and um, we were working through that. Um, Spencer's talking through us. You see him talking in here, but you don't really ever hear him. But he's telling us stuff, giving us tips and feedback. But one thing I want you guys to hear is something that we refer to as the click. So they're going to bring that up in the house right now. Yeah, that's it. Isn't that annoying? That's annoying, right? So, all right, but that's the click. Spencer, give them a little taste of everything that's going on up here. All right, Bill. All right, let's go. So, you know, that click's going. It it gives you a little glimpse for everything that's kind of going on up here. You got this thing going. You got this guy talking in your ear while you're trying to play or sing. It could be pretty chaotic, right? So you got to practice that. It's an exercise you got to kind of get used to. What I want us to focus on is this click right here. You see, I know that as we started out this series that there was a progression to it that was completely intentional. I know how Todd plans and everything that we do is very intentional. So when I think of this click, it makes me think of week one of our series, the first rhythm that we talked about, and that was the word. And the word's role in our life as a Jesus follower. You see, just as the band has to have this click, it keeps everything together. We start every song with this click, just as we as Jesus followers should start every day with the word of God. If we were to go away from this click one way or the other, things would fall apart very quickly. So we have to be rooted on this click, we have to be rooted in the Word of God. And what's really cool is after you focused on that, you start to get to add other little pieces in, other little rhythms. You know, like we had, um, as we've gone, we've done the Word. And then we had praying like a psalmist, which adds some stuff in. Praying like a psalmist. All right. Then we start to know whose we are. Add that rhythm in. It's kind of building. Walking all these rhythms that are going on, a lot of different rhythms, but they're beautiful together. Last week we had leaning on your teammates. So right now. But you know what's really cool is that it's all started from the foundation of that click. You can't build any rhythm without starting in the word. And you walk in that. You build one rhythm on top of the other, and God begins to do something absolutely beautiful. So I'm excited to see what other other rhythm we can throw in here. So Jesse made the joke earlier, so in this comparison, does that make Spencer the Holy Spirit? No. You know, <laughs> you know don't let don't let him hear that. You know. So, but I'm excited to see what God reveals to us, and I just I want you guys to see kind of the way these things are connected, and maybe it gives a little bit of a picture of these rhythms that are sustaining our walk with Christ, okay? So I'm gonna pray for us. We'll see what he has for us through us to gather, okay? Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We know that you're good. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. So we ask as we hear from you, as we hear from your word today, that we would be changed from it. Help us to build and grow in more of who you are. Help us to be in step and in sync with your character, Jesus. We love you. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. Can we give it up for these guys? It's awesome. And Cody, before you go, so you mentioned, gave a little hint of the rhythm today, which is rest. And rest is really an integral part of music. So could we say that the silence is part of the song? Absolutely. See, uh, 
rest is a part of the song. The silence is a part of the song. Um, without the silence, it would just be noise. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking that space to let God speak um, is just as important. That's awesome. Give it up for these guys. Man, so yeah, we really hope that gives you a fresh glimpse or a new glimpse, if this is your first time with us, of the series. And I'm going to go ahead and give us rhythm number five just right out the gate. Rhythm number five is this, practice Sabbath rest. Practice Sabbath rest. Now, a little insight into communicating. Whenever you're coming up with rhythms and little sayings like this, I really lean on what Craig Rochelle said. I think it's very wise that you want to find sayings that are memorable, portable, and emotional. So this is portable, but it's not really memorable or emotional. So why did we settle on it? And you're like, because here's the thing. One of my goals today is to reclaim the word Sabbath. If you don't follow Jesus, maybe you don't even have an idea what Sabbath is. I hope that you walk out of today's gathering, that you tune out, and that when you are done, when you are the word Sabbath, you smile. Even if you don't follow Jesus yet, you smile because you know God's heart for you. And Jesus followers, we might be jaded to this, or we might think about all the legalism and restrictions that somebody's tried to put on us due to Sabbath, and I just hope that we smile as well as we see God's heart for all of us and how his heart was displayed from the creation of the world. So defining the terms, practice, means this is something we gotta do over and over again. It's not like a one time and we're done. We're gonna define Sabbath, and we think about rest. Here's the phrase, rest to refresh. It's not just downtime, and it's not just doing nothing, because I think all of us have just done nothing and been more tired than when we started doing nothing. (laughs) So the goal is that we're very intentional and that we rest to refresh. Now, today's conversation will not help us if we keep it at a theoretical level. We need to make sure it's personal. So to help this be personal, I just want to invite you to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10. You're not going to have to tell anybody. You don't even have to write this down. But just rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 on this question. How refreshed are you? One is exhausted, 10 is bursting with energy. How refreshed are you? Take a moment and reflect. Wanted to give just 10 seconds or so because you may have thought of a number, but then the silence made you actually face yourself and you're like, ooh, I was lying. Let me be honest with myself. So here's the follow-up question. What direction are you trending? Like over the past week, are you moving more towards energy or moving more towards exhaustion? How are you trending? Hopefully at this point, it's personal. We've been through a lot in the past 11 months, haven't we? All of us have been hit, and Clay Scroggins is right now leading a series at North Point that I'm listening to almost as soon as it drops because it's called The Hits Keep Coming. And I'm like, this is so good. The hits keep coming. They do, don't they? It's like we turn the corner, bam, and bam, and bam. We just keep getting hit. We've been through a lot. And I would venture to say that wherever you ranked yourself is connected to your strategy and your implementation of that strategy for how you rest. Because we keep getting hit, and if we're not resting to be refreshed, then we can't recover. 
And so I bet that if you're honest and if I'm honest, how well we have a strategy to rest and how well we implement that strategy has a huge bearing on what our ranking actually is. This really hit me front and center pretty early on in the pandemic. I was listening to Kerry Newhoff. I would consider him a leadership expert. And he was interviewing John Tyson, a pastor out of New York City, like literally in Times Square. And I won't quote John Tyson exactly right, but he said, this season is demanding more of us than we've ever had to give, so we must rest more than ever. Think about that. It's so true, isn't it? These past 11 months, they're taking more than we've ever had to give, so we must refuel and refresh and rest more than ever. And he was talking about his love for music and classical music, and he's like, I have to listen to beautiful music. I don't have time not to listen to beautiful music because I have to put some beauty into my life because of all the brokenness I'm surrounded by. It's true for me, and I think it's true for you. So look, if you don't follow Jesus, I am fired up that you're here because this is not a conversation just for churchy people or for Jesus followers. Look, this affects all of us. A whole lot of us are tired. And if we're not, we could be tired in a month unless we can learn what it means to practice Sabbath rest. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. If you have your Bible, we're going to go to the beginning, be in Genesis chapter 2. As you're going there, I want to let you know that this is not a new conversation for our church. In fact, Miss Cindy Bowler is right over here. She's a leader in our church. She's, yeah, give it up for Cindy. She's amazing. She's a licensed social worker. She does a lot of counseling. And Cindy and I sat down for our last gathering of 2020 to have a conversation about rest and mental health. If you missed that, I encourage you to watch it or listen and take notes. Like I took notes as I was listening and I wanna go back and rewatch it because Jesus used Cindy to share so much wisdom about rest and mental health. So this is not a new conversation. And as I've reflected, it's a conversation that we honestly have not had enough. And so today we wanna dive into this idea of rest and talk about our souls. <laughs> How are we doing at a soul level, from exhaustion to bursting with energy. You know, we begin in Genesis chapter two, and I think you're gonna see why we begin there. Verse one says this. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. If you don't follow Jesus, one of the reasons I'm so fired up that you're either watching or in the room or in the lobby is because this shows us that God loves us so much that from the very beginning, he instituted a rhythm of rest. He's so for us, and he cares about our level of exhaustion. Maybe you're told that Jesus doesn't care about the details of your life. Yes, he does, and he established it from the beginning. He said, look, in order to sustain for the long term, because we know we're not gonna make it unless we have a healthy rhythm of rest. So to sustain for the long term, he put a rhythm in from creation to rest, to Sabbath, and God set the tone in that. And so what is Sabbath? Let's make sure we define it. And hopefully this definition will help us all get on the same page. It's 24 hours of rest to refresh. 24 hours of rest to refresh. 
Now, immediately, there's probably some pushback. Like, does it have to be 24 hours? And this has been talked about in such a legalistic, restrictive way. Here's what we're doing. I'll borrow this phrase from Andy Stanley. We're talking about the ideal, but we all live in the real. In other words, the ideal, the biblical model is that we would all be able to have 24 hours every single week of rest to refresh. That's not a legalistic thing. That's a God designed us and he knows what's best for us thing. And the reality is we know this, vacation won't fix us. If you're in a position where you could take a sabbatical, a month off isn't gonna fix you. We need something that happens regularly, even weekly, in order for us to truly rest and be refreshed and refueled at a soul level. So God did this because he cares for us. So from the beginning to say, maybe you're a CPA and it's tax season, and you're like, I cannot take off a whole day. Don't feel bad, start somewhere. Maybe this is the first tax season that you ever took three hours a week just to practice some Sabbath. Start small. Build into that. We live in the real, but we do want to grow towards the ideal. And so God instituted this from the beginning. But even by saying that and hopefully lifting some of the legalistic barriers that have been put on this, and by the way, that's scriptural. You can look at Colossians 2.16, like Jesus lifted these two. So, but if we're going to practice Sabbath... I think we need to answer and ask, or ask and answer this question. Why practice Sabbath rest? The reality is we're probably gonna do it unless we understand why it matters. Why practice Sabbath rest? In Exodus 20, when God is establishing the principle of rest, he points back to creation, saying, look, I gave you this rhythm from the beginning. And we're gonna look at Deuteronomy 5, and if you wanna go there, click there, or turn there, we're gonna be in several scriptures because it's a theme woven throughout. And I may start reading before you have time to turn or click. I just encourage you to write these down and to go back and even read around and read the context to make sure I'm not misinterpreting anything. But if we're asking this question, why practice Sabbath rest? Here's what Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 says. Observe, remember, keep the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys and other livestock, and any foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Again, we see the heart of God. Because even the animals, even the cow gets a day off for crying out loud. And no, this was written in an agricultural society. Like if you don't milk the cows, bad things happen. And God said, even in that, take a day off. Let the cow rest. Let the sheep have a day off. And from the top of society to the bottom, I'm putting this into place so that everyone can rest. But why still? Well, he begins to say why in the next verse. It's kind of weird, so we'll talk through it. So remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with this strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. So we get to that as why, but it's like, why are we talking about Egypt? It's kind of confusing, isn't it? So Moses says, if you want to know why we practice Sabbath, think about Egypt. In Egypt, you were set free from 400 years of slavery to the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh. And Moses would say, I just have a question for you. Who set you free? 
Who did the miracles that overcame Pharaoh? Who proved that he was more powerful than Pharaoh? Was it you? Was it you? Was it you? Was it all of you together? No, it was God. He's reminding them who God is. So here's what Sabbath is. Why do we practice Sabbath rest? Because we declare who God is and who we are not. When we choose to practice Sabbath rest, we're actually declaring over our lives, over our families, hey, God, this is who you are and this is who I am not. Rhythm number three, know whose you are. And we said when we know whose we are, then that helps us discover who we are. We belong to the creator of the universe. He is our father. He has chosen us. So he can show us who we are and he can remind us who we are not. See, if you think about what happened in Genesis chapter two, because we weren't part of the original audience, we may miss the significance of what happened because it says that God rested. And I'm reading a book called The Lost World of the Torah that helps us get into the, the actual context of the ancient Near East. And here's what it says about God resting on the seventh day. The rest, while it represents disengagement from any process of establishing order, is more importantly an expression of engagement as the deity takes his place at the helm to maintain an ordered, secure, and stable cosmos, just to like make you feel like you're back in a college class. <laughs> like, why are we reading that? What does that mean? Here's what it means. In the ancient Near East, it was common for after the gods had created for them to rest. And what that rest signified, it didn't mean that the gods were doing nothing. It meant that now the gods had ceased creating and they were taking their helm, their place at the helm of all the universe and ruling and making sure things were stable and orderly. And look, all the other cultures of the ancient Near East, they tried, but they got it wrong when they said their gods were at the helm because what we know is our God reigns unrivaled in the universe. He is controlling everything. So in Genesis chapter two, maybe you've never realized this, when it says God rested, what it means is God is no longer creating. Now he has taken his place on the throne of the universe. He's unrivaled, and Colossians 1 says that Jesus holds everything together, not you, not me. Sabbath declares, God, you're unrivaled, and I'm not God. I don't know if you've noticed, but I took last Monday off, and the Monday before, and the Monday before that, and the Monday before that. You know what happened on Tuesday morning? The sun came up. You know what else, what, what else happened? Public church continued to exist, because I don't hold everything together. But God does, and he made the sun come up, and public church is his idea and his dream, and he's fueling it, so I can rest because I am not God. Ezekiel, chapter 20, love Ezekiel. I've been reading through the prophets. In Ezekiel 20, verse 12, this is echoed. It says, and I gave them my Sabbath days of rest as a sign between them and me. It was to remind them that I am the Lord who had set them apart to be holy. Why do we need this reminder? Because oftentimes we live like we're in charge. So let's help ourselves. Can we all just say this phrase together? Even if you're in the living room, we're gonna say, I am not in charge. Can we say that? Ready, go. I am not in charge. Now don't say it like you're pointing your spouse like you're not in charge. Say it like you're talking to yourself. Ready, go. I am not in charge. We tell our kids they're not in charge, don't we? And our Father in heaven tells us we're not in charge. See, here's what Sabbath does. It puts us in our place. And we need to be put in our place. As we declare, God, you reign. 
You're always working. The reason I can take off is because you never stop working. (laughs) We're putting our place where we need to be. In fact, in Ezekiel chapter 22, if you want to read that, it has this verse that says that Sabbath or ignoring Sabbath actually dishonors God. Why does ignoring Sabbath dishonors God? Because when we ignore Sabbath rest, you know what we're doing? We're pushing God off the throne and we're saying, I got this. I'm God. I'll handle this. And God said, no, 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 no. Let me put you in your place by reminding you who I am. We need Sabbath. It reminds us that we're not in charge, but that God is. So is Sabbath just some Old Testament idea that gets dropped when Jesus showed up? And we get to the New Testament, the second portion of the Bible. No, actually not at all. In fact, Jesus talked about Sabbath. And the thing is, he did things on the Sabbath that got him blasted. In fact, in Mark chapter 2, we're going to see that. And this is a theme where Jesus just gets criticized over and over again. Here's what's going on in Mark chapter 2, verse 23. It says, one Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look. Why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? If you've been handed a legalistic version, a restrictive version of Sabbath, then you've been handed something that the Pharisees had perfected. Well, when people in this time period heard the word Sabbath, they didn't smile, they grimaced. And they thought, okay, can I do this? Can I take this many steps? Like, it was that detail. And you definitely couldn't pick grain to eat it. And so Jesus said to them, verse 25, Haven't you ever read in the scriptures? This is incredibly insulting to biblical experts. (laughs) But guess what? The scriptures are about Jesus. He's the point of it. He knows the scriptures better than anybody. So he says, actually, let me tell you what the scriptures that you claim to know actually mean because you've missed it. Haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Here's what he's saying. You've missed it. You think you know why to practice Sabbath, but you've missed it. And so Jesus is trying to restore even the idea of Sabbath in verse 27. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Do you miss that last part? Remember, Sabbath declares who God is and who we are not. You know what Jesus is saying? I'm God. If we're doing this Sabbath thing right, it should be telling you that God is here talking to you and redirecting you about what Sabbath actually means. And then in chapter 3, Jesus does something that's a theme of his life. He heals on the Sabbath, and he gets in so much trouble about it. I mean, check this out. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. So Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Have you ever been in a meeting and there's like a big elephant in the corner? You know what I'm talking about? It's like everybody knows it's there. It's the big issue that nobody wants to bring up. And you're like, can we just all turn this way? But it's an elephant. So it like takes up the whole room. Like everybody can see the elephant. You know what Jesus does? He says, elephant, come out of the corner and come stand in the middle of the room. Let's talk. There's tension. I know what you're thinking. Let's talk. Uh, excuse me, sir, who, you're crippled. Could you come stand in front of everyone? Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? 
Huh, just a question, let me know. Is this a day to save life or destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him because Jesus is brilliant and he'd shown their hypocrisy. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once, the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. It doesn't end great. (laughs) But what's the point? What is Jesus teaching us about the Sabbath? To understand that, we have to have a technique to study the Bible, which is don't look only at directives, but also look at practices. Don't just look at the thou shalts and do this. Also look at the practices. So as Jesus was stirring up all this trouble on the Sabbath, what was he doing? More often than not, he was healing. He was restoring. So so, so why do we practice Sabbath? Because Sabbath creates space. We create space for Jesus to heal and restore. (laughs) Because that's what the Sabbath is for. Remember, he said, hey, Sabbath was made to benefit people. God made Sabbath from the beginning for you, for you, for you, for me. Because he knew 2020 was coming. He knew COVID was coming and the hits were going to keep coming. And when we emerge from this 10 years from now, there's going to be more hits coming. And he knew that if we didn't have a rhythm that refreshed us on a soul level, we cannot sustain for the long haul. And so he gave us Sabbath. And when we practice it, we are creating space in our lives for Jesus to heal us, for Jesus to restore us, because he's the only one who can. You know why else do we practice Sabbath? Because Sabbath reminds us, we remember that only Jesus can refresh us to the soul level. When we are practicing Sabbath, we remember that only Jesus gives soul level rest. I encourage you to take some time this week and read Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And there's a phrase in there. Jesus says, hey, come to me. If you're tired, if you're exhausted, and there's this phrase that's transformative. He says, and you will find rest for your souls. Your souls. Do you need that? I do. I'm not going to make it without it. And the only person, being, thing that offers it is the unrivaled God of the universe, and his name is Jesus. So if you don't follow Jesus, I hope you smile when you hear the word Sabbath. And I want to give you an opportunity to surrender to him. Because the story of Jesus is not about what we do, but what Jesus has done. That's not about working to get God's approval. We could never do that. Jesus came. He became one of us, God in the flesh. He took our punishment. He died on the cross for us. He did it all. And then he rose from the dead proving that he is victorious, the winner, the unrivaled God over everything. And so when we practice Sabbath, we declare, God, this is who you are. And so today we're declaring who Jesus is and we're declaring that he offers to heal you, to restore you, to refresh you at a soul level. And so if you want that, in just a little bit, I wanna invite you, we're gonna have somebody from the prayer team in the lobby who would love to talk with you. If you're watching online, just to send us a text or call us 423-665-9317.
we're going to talk about what it means to surrender to Jesus. This is why we Sabbath. But we're still left with this tension. How? Honestly, the Bible doesn't get into a whole lot of specifics. We have quite a bit of freedom. It does give us some ways not to. One way not to, and if you want scripture on this, just email katie at publicchurch.com and I'd be happy to have her send that to you. But one way not to is to let Sabbath become a ritual. If Sabbath's a ritual and it's not at a heart level, then we're missing it bad. It's not about, I practice Sabbath, I'm so holy and spiritual. No, it's about the fact that we're being changed and we're resting in here. It's about the fact that the end of Ezekiel 20, it didn't just say that Sabbath reminds us that he's the Lord, but that he's the one that makes us holy, that he's the only one that can change us. It points us back to Jesus. <laughs> Another thing is we've just gotta cease. Sabbath can't be, we can't be making money, we can't be promoting ourselves. Read Isaiah 58. God gets mad when we do those things on the Sabbath, and rightfully so, because we're missing it. And think about Sabbath. It's gotta be according to how we are wired. God made us, and he knows how we need to rest. So I just wanna encourage you to ask this question. What makes me healthy mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically? This is not a new idea either. We've talked about this and we wanna keep the conversation going. If you're thinking about how to Sabbath, think about what makes me healthy mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You know what Sabbath is? We do that. <laughs> In fact, I brought my Sabbath bag with me to talk about how I do that. And when I talk about it, I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm saying this is how Jesus designed me. You've gotta let your creator show him how he designed you. And so first off, I get out my Sabbath bag on Monday. Monday's my day off because there's no way that I could unplug and rest on a Friday. I just couldn't do it on a Saturday. I couldn't do it. And part of it comes from coaching football. Like we would build up to Fridays and then on Saturdays I would do nothing. And then I would watch film on Sundays and we'd meet together as a coaching staff and watch film and we'd game plan. So it's kind of this rhythm has been built into me from even before I was in this particular role. But Sunday night, man, I can forget about it. Anything else that needs to be done, it can wait. And that's just how God's made me. So Whitney and I, Sabbath on Mondays. So what does Sabbath look like for us? Well, we kick it off. Technically, it begins on Sunday night. We kick it off with some Trace Hermanos. Come on, somebody. I thought about taking a menu, realized that was unethical. Uh, probably could have asked for it, but I thought, well, I'll just draw this, okay? Just stay ethical for this talk. Trace Hermanos, because honestly, if you read about fasting, a big part of fasting is feasting. Now, that also leads to some health problems later on down the road. <laughs> so when I think about physical, eat well, and then I go for a run. Not like right after I eat on Sunday night and go for a run on Monday. But a great Sabbath for me involves a run, preferably with Whitney and the boys. And I have to say the boys have grown over the winter. They're heavier. So uh, Sabbath runs are harder these days, uh, pushing them in the stroller. But this is how I'm physically refreshed. And then also if I'm just thinking about physical and then this also um, bleeds in, I need some good coffee. Anybody with me? Good coffee. And that leads to mental. Because as I'm drinking that coffee, I would also love to be reading a book. Mentally, I need to be learning. It's how I'm wired. This is a book I recently read by Simon Sinek, The Infinite Game I Loved. I'm reading this book I mentioned earlier now. Like I need a good book mentally. That's part of my Sabbath, and it's in my Sabbath bag. When I think about emotionally, 
then I need time with my family. Honestly, Sabbath helps me be a better dad and a better husband. I need time with Whitney and the boys, and I really need some time without the boys and just with Whitney. In fact, we talked about that last week. We're like, some Sabbaths, we're like, do we even talk? (laughs) So we're trying to figure out what does that look like for us to make sure that we're still getting that time to connect on a soul level, to actually talk about our week and to debrief and to connect authentically on that day. And then finally, in my Sabbath bag, spiritually, I need this. It's not Sabbath unless I'm practicing the first two rhythms. Unless I let the word reveal so Jesus can heal. And unless I pray like a psalmist. So I've got to, with my coffee, some of these things can overlap. (laughs) I've got to get my journal out and I've got to read. And let Jesus heal me. And let him speak to me. Because only he can heal me, can restore me, and can refresh me at a soul level. So however you Sabbath, this is essential. We have to have this. So as public worship comes up, I just want to ask you one question to reflect on. And it's this. What's in your Sabbath back? I just want to challenge you to think about what is in my Sabbath bag? And how are you going to begin to open that bag this week? How is it that God has designed you to be refreshed, to be refueled? And what does it look like to pack that bag and open it up this week? Now, I love when culture catches up with the Bible. If you read anything about leadership and business, rest is in vogue all the rage. There's this thing called the law of diminishing returns where people in the business world are realizing, hey, there comes a point where I work too much and I'm not producing more. And everybody disagrees is that when you go from 60 to 70 or 70 to 80 hours or 80 to 85, they disagree about where that's at. But the point is, at some point, I'm going to work more and produce less. There is a law of diminishing returns. So guess what culture's saying? Guess what business culture's saying? We need to rest. We need to take a day off. Hmm. And God says, I love you so much that put that rhythm in place from creation. And I love you so much that I made that rhythm to point you to Jesus. Because only he can truly refresh, heal, and restore. So let's lean into this rhythm. Let's practice it. And let's let Jesus do work at a deep level. The work that only he can do. And so Jesus, as we sing about you and the work you've done, I pray that you would just give us the freedom and the courage to reflect however we need to. I pray that you would just literally begin to show us what needs to be in our Sabbath bag, if we need to adjust anything in it, and show us what it looks like to open it up this week. And would you just do soul-level work, Jesus, the kind of work that only you can do. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you on any of our social media platforms at A Public Church or through our app or website, publicchurch.com. To give towards the vision of Public Church, you can do so through our app or website via PushPay or by texting Public Church in all caps with no space to 77977. 
Again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.